You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Celtic Stuff Live. The only toll-free call-in webcast produced specifically for Celtics fans. Celtic Stuff Live. Show number three, everybody, and this one obviously proves to be an exciting show. John and I are here to talk about the All-Star Game. We're here to talk about crazy trade rumors, uh, usually which are not true, but you never know where there's smoke. And then we're going to have our, our very good friend Sean Grandy on. Uh, John, you know, I know we got a great contest, and we have to talk about that because we're going to give away some Celtics tickets between now and the Orlando game against March 21st. But I got to tell you, this week is always the biggest of biggest weeks of the year, especially for guys like you and I who like to talk about trades. I know Larry H. Russell, not so much of a fan of trades, but the three of us are going to go live on Thursday, trade deadline, 2.30 to 4 o'clock, taking your calls. We're probably going to have some guests from you know, the blogosphere joining us as well. Obviously, the beat writers are going to be quite busy at that point during the day, but we will take your calls, and we're also going to be uh, having some of the, the blogosphere join us for their opinions, especially if something big does go down. But you know, I'm excited to give away tickets, but I just love Trade Week. I love to talk trades, John. I do too. I mean, it's, it's, I don't know how Larry's going to get through it because, you know, we, we, we've talked about this stuff for, you know, 10 years now. Uh, <laughs> it's just what we do. It's, you know, and that's how teams get better, you know, and I think that it's, you know, maybe it's the soap opera uh, and WWE fan in me that just enjoys, uh, you know, watching how these teams come together and the rumors and this and that, uh, because this is how teams get better. This is how the league is, is, is made or, or not made. And while I, I am in all in on the, the Clippers game and the Cavs game, and there's really nothing better. Um, and there's nothing worse than the way the, the Bucks game went down, but to see the, the roster construction, I mean, that's, that's what it's all about. And we've got a master here at, at his craft and Danny Ainge. And I can't wait to see what he comes up with on Thursday. Yeah, and I know we have those rumors of Kevin Love, and I, I, I'm jokingly going to say this, but I'm a little concerned about him coming to Boston because every time he seems to be around a Celtics uniform, he winds up with a shoulder injury. I just, I don't think that bodes well for a trade to the seas. That's all I'm going to say about that. 
yeah, no, I, I think I think that's fair. I, it, it all, it, and I can't wait to see what they come up with. How? What's the? What's the? What's the? What would the trade actually look like? I mean, you know, we're we're at the point where a lot of you know, where if you've heard about it, it probably means it's not happening and that sort of thing. But you know, that that happened with Garnett too. Remember when the, the whole deal with Garnett? It was all out there in the press, and it's not happening. Oh, it's not going to happen. And yet, you know what? That the things kept churning and kept churning. It didn't happen at the at the, at the draft, but it ended up happening a month later. And yeah. it could be that love. Maybe there's not enough time to get something done now, but this summer, maybe, maybe it definitely. Does, you know, it, there's no deadline on making that deal. And it's not like Danny and Cleveland haven't been long-term trading partners. If it weren't for Danny Ainge, they might have had a lot of difficulty making the cap space available to bring LeBron James back. So where there's smoke, there's definitely fire. Let's bring. Let's talk about our Celtics tickets giveaway. It's going to be for the March 21st game against Orlando. And actually, this is a great gift from our co-host on Thursday, Larry H. Russell. They're his season tickets, and he's offered them up because we brought our show back, and he wants to help support interest and it's going to be a really really simple contest we're going to take a bunch of people from twitter throw their names in a hat and we're going to draw a winner and all you have to do is comment on our show or uh retweet one of our show announcements and then just hashtag csl returns that's hashtag csl returns if you do that you will be entered into the contest to win celtics tickets against the orlando magic at home march 21st and again larry h russell just so generous giving up his season tickets to help promote our return to the uh you know to the internet absolutely i you got to give him i mean thank you larry for that and and Really appreciative of all the love we've gotten since we've come back, and just I mean the things I've read I've read on Twitter and and and, and you know comments on our Facebook page, uh, and you can search around for that because those are tied in with, with show announcements and so forth. Um, just really thankful for all the good love out there, and we want to give you our fans a chance to kind of in, you know be uh, enjoy in, in some of that, and so we'd love to have you get out there, let people let other your followers know about us. Um, there's a lot of folks out there that maybe have picked up the Celtics or picked up blog, you know, podcasts. This is a great time for you to let them know you listen to our show. We're uh, we're back on the scene, and and we'd love to uh, have them part of it. And oh, by the way, maybe you get to go see uh, see the Orlando Magic play the Celtics. Not a bad consolation prize. That's right. So everybody, remember either make a comment about the show or retweet one of our show announcements and just hashtag CSL returns. And boy, are we glad to be back. I will tell you, Mark Spears, when we covered for Larry H. Russell on Celtics Beat on January 2nd, really got us pumped up. Then we had, for our very first show back, Mike Gorman. Last week, Chad Finn did a fantastic job. And then, of course, uh, this week we're going to bring on Sean Grandy. number of these individuals Old friends of the show, we're, we're so happy to have him back. Uh, we're so happy to be back and have them on the show. I've been waiting for this Grandy one, though, and I'll be interested to know, uh, John, if he's listened to any of the recent shows and if we're going to catch any flack uh, for having Mike Gorman as our first guest. You know, if, if, if past history is any indication of future performance, I, I, I am putting on a flak jacket right now because I'm sure Sean will bring it. And he's going to have comments for us. So uh, whether it's because 
Obviously, we show the love to our 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 our, our best bud, uh, Mike Gorman, or he'll have something else. Sean has a way of of uh, ribbing with the best, so it's going to be great to chat with him in a moment. Absolutely. All right, so we're going to head to the interview. This is Celtic Stuff Live returning on CLNS Radio. Joining us now, Mr. Average Margin of Victory, Sean Grandy. Uh, we're back, Celtic Stuff Live, and Sean, we are so happy to have you back on as a guest and, and to can pick up our, our conversations where they left off almost four years ago. But, uh, you know, obviously an exciting week coming up. Thanks for coming on. I'm just curious as to how many of these shows you felt you needed to do before you went back to the star of the show, to your number one guest, to your A performer, to the A list. And I only assume that whatever Sweeps Week is in blog world, this is it. I'm here. <laughs> this is it. We are giving away Celtics tickets with our return. So it is sort of a Sweeps Week, I will tell you that. But um, I, I, John and I said for certain that you were going to give us a hard time when you came on the show. We've been talking about it since our first one. We said, we're going to hear about this, you know, because we didn't, we didn't have Grandy on the very first one. We're going to hear about it when we go get him. I don't think it should be. The, I think you, should, you need to get back into game shape before you step into the main event. You know what I'm saying? You don't just walk right back in. And, you know, you, uh, you got to warm up a little bit. You got to have a preseason. You got to have a, you know, just warm up before you get there. And I assume you already had Gorman, right? I mean, because that's like a build up. <laughs> <laughs> If I were playing Sean Grandy CSL guest bingo, I, I I just won right there for that one. So thank you, thank you for that, Sean. Every everybody drink. Everybody drink. <laughs> unless unless right. you're driving. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Sean, uh, you know, obviously it's All Star Week. The trades are coming out of the woodworks because the Celtics are the the easiest target for the media to say that. Oh yeah, the Celtics have the most assets, most likely trade partners for some of these big games. But usually, when this stuff comes out, it's really not anything that's gonna. You know, if you hear about it before the trade deadline, it's pretty likely to happen, isn't it? Not. I don't think anything major happens. I mean, I was waiting for you to say Kevin Love because that'd be my bingo uh, this week for every conversation I have. Uh, I, I think that we sort of reached a point. I do this sort of every year, which is kind of I try not to wet blanket it because every, everybody has has so much fun. Well, why is it necessary? I want to tell you, there's eight of us here at the gate. Why they need to have the loudspeaker at ten? You could, you, she doesn't even need it. She could just tell all of us here. It's short flight. You know, little commuter plane to Minneapolis, but some people just need to hear their own voice booming throughout the airport. But, I thought you were, you told us you were going to cancel your flight so that you could find a nice place to record the audio. I just assumed that they knew that when I'm on the air, nobody else speaks. It's if you're in the room with the president and he's standing, you're not sitting. You know what I'm saying? You got it. I, I got assumed it. it was sort of, you know, I, I commanded a room. Kind of that way. Yeah. In any case, I, I really think that this is the year. I tend to wet blanket it almost every year anyway because, the you know, given the world we live in, and I'm, this isn't a get-off-my-lawn thing, I don't mind. The, the Internet stuff is great, and it's fun. Everybody has a blast and a million websites. But the ratio of what's real to Internet sites or whatever obviously is smaller or bigger, I guess. You know, the nonsense to what's reality, that ratio is bigger than it ever has been before. All that said, you know, the Celtics should be in every conversation because if you have the assets that Danny Ainge has, why aren't you, you know, getting involved? And even if two people, if Memphis is talking to Portland about something, why aren't you trying to buzz it on the line if you're Danny saying, hey, can I help out? Can I do that? You know, because the Celtics have 
you know, incrementally increase their assets by doing that over the last couple of years. You know, I'd, I'd remind everyone that, you know, Austin Rivers was a Celtic last year for about 12 hours. Um, and wow. so there's, there's different ways to be, you know, involved in these things. And you're positioned for a big deal. So when there's a rumor and there's a hot name, of course it's worth discussing. And there, there's a legitimate possibility because the Celtics are theoretically in the game for almost anything that could happen. Well, and, I, and I'll say this too. Not only are they riding a hot streak in terms of how they're playing on the court since January, but they're becoming sort of everybody's NBA darling this season. And I know everybody wants to make the comparisons to the Atlanta Hawks from a season ago. But I think the value in that especially is this summer with free agency when we look at all of a sudden the CBA's up, there's going to be a lot more money to spend. And we even had a, a report today about Mark D'Amico saying that Isaiah Thomas reported he was approached by another player at the All-Star game that being interested in, in playing with Boston and wanting to know more about what it's like in Boston. This is uh this is a big, big thing. And, and how much do you credit that to Brad Stevens? A lot. Uh, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's really everything. And to me, I've had this argument with Max and many people, not many people over the years. I'm not an argumentative guy as much as I like to pretend, but there's <laughs> to me, there's the people that say, Hey, there's free agent destinations in the NBA and there's not. And Boston isn't one. And to me, that is extraordinary oversimplification because free agent destinations aren't simply, well, let's go by temperature. That's what I think people want to do sometimes. So people want to go to Miami and they want to go to Phoenix. and they w- Okay, that's, that's a little bit simplistic. So let's step back and look at what NBA players want. Would they prefer, as JV once said, you know, top down in the winter, that's what winners do? Yeah, I mean, I get it. That, that, that the factor's in. But how about winning? How about winning in a place where it's fun to win? How about playing in a major market? How about playing near – everybody's got reasons to play in different cities. You know, when Dwayne Wade was free agent, when that came up, and we know how everything played out. But, you know, he had family in Chicago. He had a family situation with his kids that we all read about and a lot of us were touched by. And, you know, so Chicago was a legitimate possibility for Dwayne Wade in 2010. So everyone, there's a million reasons for any player to want to play in one place. But I've always believed that you cannot lump Boston in. If you want to say Boston isn't L.A. or New York or Miami, okay, that's fine. You can say that. But you can't say it's Milwaukee or Sacramento or someplace like that either because that's just not, that's not fair. And I've said this many times, too. I think the most significant thing that happened in the last couple of years for the Celtics, yeah, Brad Stevens is on the list. But I think Doc Rivers, Paul Pierce, and Kevin Garnett coming back to the Garden, getting the reaction that they got, after building what they had built, I do believe there are players in the NBA that want to be next, that want to have that NBA experience. may not be everybody. may not be every player. Some players may want to just play in Miami and ride around in the warm weather. But I believe there are there is a player out there, an elite player, that wants that. And all of a sudden you look at the situations. Where can I win? Where can I be coached by a coach I want to play for? Where, you know, a quality organization that treats its players well. How is Boston not as high on that list as anybody? You know, it gets cold. You know what? The games are indoors. Right. No, absolutely. As, as I say this, they as, are right. I mean, if they're not, I, tell me. But as far I'm as I know, sure I, the games are indoors. It would. Yeah. I, well, um, st- <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. I was just saying. You know, pretty soon we're gonna have to play them in Fenway. Oh. You know, with like, with like big air going on in the background. You know, we just have to keep raising the stakes. Are you getting this stuff from your early guests, by the way? Are they, you know, no. is this sort of the 
Yeah, okay. I'm just making a point. GD stuff, you know what I'm saying? We this, we went to the varsity here with this one. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks for the A game today. Uh, <laughs> so, we, you know, we've got... Let me let me ask you this, because we when we had Mike Gorman on a couple weeks ago, you know he was very reticent to see this team make any changes. I mean, maybe not from the perspective of there won't be anything done because it's very hard to make a deal in the NBA, but because he likes this group, he thinks they're a good group that they work together well. You write, you you know, you fly with these guys, you know this group. Um, on the one hand, you have that; you seem to have a pretty good thing going as a group. On the other hand. As a fan, as, as somebody who was reading these rumors, I say, is the top end of this group, are we near the top end of what this group can get and we need an infusion of, of talent and, and energy? Where, where do you kind of come down on that? Do you think that maybe that's a little bit overblown or do you think at some point Danny's going to have to do something to, uh, to maybe increase the ceiling of this, of this team? Did you guys cover his uh, playoff pick from last year while well, he was a guest on the show? That- <laughs> Oh man! Come up with a holler. I'm, just, I'm curious. I just Whew. we were on smoking. <laughs> uh, I you know no Mike and I agree on that. Uh, it, to me, it's a room because the Boogie Cousins thing co- comes up because Max and I argue about that all the time because I'm a you know he's a staunch anti Boogie Cousins, no chance, wouldn't give him a bag of donuts for him. Whereas I am, I see everything everybody else sees because it's not you know my first day. But to me, there's the old trading places, way old movie, old reference but about heredity versus environment. And I'm not convinced yet that Boogie Cousins can't be a good citizen and a good player and even a leader in the right environment because the way he was, you know, we saw him in the national team. He wasn't really that much of a problem at Kentucky. So yeah, that's Sacramento. That's a dumpster fire on Sacramento. And so that's a bad environment for Boogie Cousins, you know, so we don't really know. That said, to me, this is a room. You don't get rooms like this very often if you don't want to mess with it. I mean, let's take a step back and realize you've got guys, NBA players, proven NBA players who are sitting out for weeks at a time and are on the bench cheering their teammates on when they make a play. That does not always happen. It would be nice if that always happened, but we know that's not the case. You know, Tyler Zella did his part. He sat out for a long time knowing he could do what he's doing now and never said a word, never complained, waited for his opportunity. He was ready. David Lee's been the same way. And this guy, this guy went from, this was David Lee's week, which two weeks ago, he went DNP, White House, DNP. You know, that's, <laughs> That's a heck of a week. So it's uh, it's a pretty impressive room. And yeah, does Brad get some credit for that? He absolutely does because he because he's just a genuine guy. That's how he won their respect. I tweeted it on Friday because Greg Popovich said the thing that I've been saying for a couple of years now about Brad Stevens and why it has worked for him. But obviously when Pop says it, it's going to carry a lot more weight. So I actually tweeted that and he talked about you know winning the respect of the players by just being genuine. And so guys enjoy playing for him. And if you like to, here's a good example, Evan Turner. Is Evan Turner, I use this example with Ricky Davis when Doc got, had a great year out of Ricky. His best year was playing for Doc Rivers. Look at what Brad has done. He, he doesn't complain about players' limitations. He finds a way to get the best out of what they do. And that's, that's, that's his job, by the way. Uh, and he's, Evan Turner is a great example of that. And if you put players in the best position to succeed, it's not about you. It's not about me talking to the microphone. Um, it's let's let's win games, and I think players just enjoy, you know, a coach who is doesn't have any other uh, you know any other agenda. So it's a room that I I do not want to mess with it. You know, and there's to me there are obviously core players you don't even think about moving, and these aren't players the NBA fans consider 
rock stars or sexy players or all stars, but they're players. If you know the NBA game, these are players that you can win. You can absolutely win with, and it's why. If I can jump ahead to this whole Kevin Love, Al Horford, I'm hearing a lot of names. Dwight Howard. What's real and what's not isn't my point. I would just like people to think a little bit more about who are the elite, who are the NBA All Star players in 2018, not 2013, when we start talking about these names. Because I hear a lot of names of guys I would have loved to have two or three years ago. That I'm not sure if I want them two or three years from now. That's all. What? Well, that's a great. That's a great point. It's a great, great transition. Again, a game. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure Mike said that exact thing. I don't mean to steal his great point. It was. It was know, just... he, he had a great answer. I gotta say. Um, <laughs> but uh, the the transition to the, this 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 draft pick. We've Justin and I have talked a lot about this last couple of weeks. Trading the draft pick and what you get for it and why you do it and and what scenario. Under what scenario do you think it's it's wise to trade that 16 pick? You know, this kind of goes uh, off. I think what you're. I, just I can't really think of. I mean, name an elite player. <laughs> you know, you're getting Kevin Durant. You, and it's not about that that pick is worth. It's just that we don't. It, part of me almost is maybe more willing to give it up than others are because I think we just generally speaking, as a as a Celtics internet NBA society place greater value on these draft picks and what they will be than what they really are going to be, not in just terms of the players, but in terms of what the actual number pick is going to be. I mean, everyone's getting really excited when Brooklyn loses games, and that's great. But let's say they finish, what, third or fourth best record. They're actually more likely to move down than move up. So it's going to be a, you know, it's going to be a good pick. But it's going to be a five, six, you know, where a couple of years ago you had that, and it was who's in that little wheelhouse, Aaron Gordon, Marcus Smart, who obviously is, you know, to me, you just don't. Marcus Smart is a guy you don't even. I don't want to hear any conversation that begins on the other end of the phone with Marcus Smart. I'm hanging up. But I still, agree. That's that's. I agree. He's got want. a. He's got a long ways to go. But they're all the qualities that you want for somebody to lead this team down the line is it, they're all there. What he's, he's done with 21, this. Twenty one. He's twenty one years old. I'm totally. I agree with you. 100%. I couldn't disagree. I am going to beat this one dead horse because it's the last show <laughs> that I'll have this opportunity to do it, but it's going to be Gordon Hayward because that's somebody I would move this this uh, 2016 Nets pick for, and the reason is I think that he can finish games. I think that he can score, and I yeah. know that he's familiar with Stevens, and I think that he's got that what we describe as Evan Turner but two tiers up a little bit where he can play within the team. I think he would fit into the culture really well. He wouldn't upset the apple cart, but I do think the team gets better, and to my earlier question to you, I also think it helps position them like, look, we're committed. We still have some other picks that are coming up. This team's going to keep getting better in the future and look what we just did and you know, we're on the rise that I think will be attractive to free agents I love Hayward and by the way uh, to me the Brad Stevens connection with Hayward is not taking I, I throw that out as absurd as that sounds I don't care that he played for Brad Stevens because that to me is not a standard of to me I ask myself is the guy going to fit with the Celtics do and what Brad Stevens wants to do. I think Brad can make almost anything work. I think if Danny Gibson, Dwight Howard, I'm fascinated to see how, you know, how the professor oh, makes no. it work. No, I'm <laughs> saying, I, I would want to see how it makes it work. I'm not, listen, I'm not even, I'm in the deep minority on the Al Horford thing. And I like, listen, Al Horford is a very solid citizen. He's a really good player. My Here's my Al Horford thing. All right, we talked earlier about getting older. So how old are you guys now? Uh, um, 
40? 38. 37. 37. Yeah, 37. Okay. 37. Are you starting to get the thing now where... Uh, with your eyesight, when you started to hold the book a little farther away and farther away, you know, the eyes start to go a little bit. Yeah, that okay. happened in my 20s. Okay, bigs, bigs in the NBA, have you noticed what happens when they start getting older? They start moving farther and farther away from the basket. Yeah. Okay? And this is where, you know, you're thinking of Al Horford from three or four years ago, and Al Horford's a guy, and he's a reliable spot-up shooter. You know, I got Tyler Zeller, who's 24, 25 years old. And to an NBA fan, you say, wait a minute, Al Horford is better than Tyler Zeller. And maybe he is, but how much better and which way is that trending? You know what I'm saying? This is about, this isn't just about sports and about the NBA. It's about all walk of life. Listen, the entire Celtics managing partnership group is filled with guys who own a part of the Celtics because in life they were able to see things before they happened, not after they happened. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. This is so that's why you this like is how you Hayward. are successful in life. You got to look forward, not backward. So that's another reason you like Hayward then, because he's also still I do. young. Yeah, I do, that's... I, I do like I like and you, you know I like Hayward because he's a killer. Yeah, like Marcus I Smart, like a, he's a killer, and that's why I like Gordon Hayward. All right, yeah. so let me. I hate to change gears, but there's going to be so much trade talk this this week anyway, and I want to get some other thoughts from you, especially because I know. You know, you've really been a master statistician, you know, since even the days when, when we first started this show and you were putting up some some articles on Celtics.com. And I just remember you always finding these niche statistics. But this year, I have to tell you, I was very impressed because a lot of the stats that you're throwing out there, I mean, average margin of victory when you have half the number of wins is, you know, maybe a misnomer. Maybe it's not really all that valid, but it almost seems like you were throwing out stats that, and that one's the one that comes to mind the most, but you were throwing out statistics where you were kind of saying to the, you know, the Celtics fans, listen, guys, there's, there's some signs here that tell us that this team is going to get maybe hot like they did last year, that, you know, even though they've struggled a little bit and, and maybe around the holidays they didn't give their best effort, you know, 100% on the floor, that there were some signs that this team was going to approach, you know, not quite elite team status, but that they were up there and maybe they would get wins against, oh, say, the Clippers or the Cleveland Cavaliers in the middle of the season. There's two halves to that, and there's two different versions of that number. Number one, first of all, I've always been a, a margin of victory. Not margin of victory. I've always been a scoring differential guy because it's a great – and that's sort of the John Hollinger thing from 10 years ago. This is something I was hammering home during the championship season uh, about the double-digit scoring differential, how rare it was, how difficult that is to maintain throughout the course of the year, and how the Celtics at that point, Golden State did it last year, Boston 2008, Golden State 2015 – only teams without Jordan. This is how rare what's happening this year is. Let me give you some perspective on that. Since in the last 40 years, 4-0, take away some Michael Jordan Bulls team, the only teams without Michael Jordan in 40 years to finish the season with a double-digit scoring differential are the 08 Celtics and last year's Golden State team. And this year, Golden State and San Antonio are going to do it. So if you go to State and San Antonio, arguably you have two of the best 25 teams of all time, and this is all happening, you know, in real time. We're all watching it play out. But scoring differential, which I'm a fan of, because it's an indication of who's really playing well, and that, you know, but margin of victory is two, are two different things. The margin of victory point was something following up from what we've been talking about on the air. The Celtics weren't weren't winning close games, especially early in the year. That's starting to change, which is why the record is catching up to the scoring differential. 
So all year, the Celtics were top five, top six in scoring differential, but their record was 12th, 13th, 14th. Now they're still fifth or sixth in scoring differential, but the record is now up there in the top eight. Uh, which, by the way, here's another great stat I had the other day. I didn't even realize I had to think about it. The Celtics haven't been in the top eight where they are now in the NBA. In terms of just wins and losses, this is nothing fancy with differential anything. Top eight wins and losses. Celtics have been here since 2011. Even the 2012 team, which obviously almost went to the finals, never got into the top eight in the NBA. Well, and and here's lost. another statistic, too. Wow. I don't think they've been in the top eight in rebounding. And I yeah. know that this season, all of a sudden, and that's, you know, again, to go with just a simple stat, that one has been one that has eluded them for a very, very long time. I mean, we see the assists, we see the opponents' three-point field goal percentage. There's a lot of those stats that that run, you know, uh, on NBA League Pass, where you just see them in these top tens. And even before they had this run in the last, you know, month, they were uh, still kind of floating in a lot of those categories, including steals. But rebounding has been very elusive for this team. And that's another one that surprised me this season, because really, who did they add over last year? Just really just Amir Johnson, when you talk about significant playing time. Yeah, and offensive rebounding has actually been been a big part of Solinger's. Solinger's always gotten a lot of those, and they're starting to get them. The bigger issue to me with rebounding is more interesting is what the Celtics are doing with the offensive rebounds, is that early in the year, they were getting offensive rebounds, and as you normally do when you post to the basket, you try to put them right back up. The problem is you got Amir Johnson at 6'9", Jared Soldier at 6'8", or whatever, and what happens when you get an offensive rebound of that size, you try to put it back up. It doesn't, it doesn't go well, generally speaking, in the NBA. So what the Celtics have changed, when they get offensive rebounds now, they're kicking out, and that's where their best three-point shots are coming, which, another stat, and this is why... People say, oh, you have all these stats in your stack. I'm not a stat guy. When the numbers explain something that is happening, then I like them. You know, there are the numbers can make sense of something or can punctuate a point. And I use Twitter. See, it's, there's a lot of people. I have a bigger audience on Twitter than I do. More people generally see my tweets than are listening to the broadcast. That's just how, how it goes, especially when those things start pinballing around. So the problem is, by definition, they're out of context. I use Twitter during games because I don't have graphics on my show. I'm doing radio. So they emphasize what we're talking about on the air. It's a stat. If I was doing TV, that I would have that stat on the screen to emphasize what we're talking about. But if you're just following on Twitter and not listening to the broadcast, it kind of is out of context. So people just see the numbers. But when I say the three-point shooting, isn't it, it's not a coincidence. I mean, it's connected to the rebounding you're talking about. Because now the Celtics have gone from being a 32% three-point shooting team, which is one of the worst numbers in the NBA, to the last, we're about 15, 16 games now. They're up around 38. And a lot of that is coming from the open looks that are coming off of offensive rebounds. So that's where stats and basketball, you know, fit together when they explain something. Sean, it, Isaiah Thomas, uh, obviously the all-star. I mean, played... I think in particular that last game, the game against Chris Paul, going toe to toe with probably the best the best point guard in the league, and and matched him and and surpassed him actually. Um, and Paul, this, Paul played an amazing ball game on Wednesday night. Oh, you think? I mean, that was just it wasn't it. It was amazing. I mean, that was to that was see up there. That, yeah. I'm at about. I think yeah. I'm at about. I don't know the exact number. I think I'm at about 1,600 games now in the NBA, somewhere in that mm-hmm. range. And I was trying to think, somebody asked me, and take the playoff games out and just talk about about 1,300, 1,400 regular season games. Yeah. That's, you know, got to be top 25, top 20 maybe. I mean, that was that was an unbelievable show. It was. Both teams playing well. 
Doc, Paul Pierce. I mean, so much going on, but on the court, I mean, it, it was not, it was, not only was it amazing to watch, but it was competitive. I mean, every, both teams, amazing stuff. I mean, just the growth, you, what have you seen from Isaiah Thomas in the, in the it was, uh, by the way, it was amazing. It was amazing to listen to also. It was easy to listen to. I yeah. thought that the, the broadcast, the TV broadcast the night before, was actually <laughs> even a little bit better. To be quite honest, if I could, how that, uh, could... how'd that go? I mean, you you guys are in the world of like how the how people enjoy that. Loved it. With, uh, I, I'm not just saying that because you're bringing your A game to our show here, but I thought. No, was, I mean, I. And that, by the way, I mean everybody knows. I assume most people know that that you know. Obviously, Mike and I are very close, and that we're just kind of goofing around here. Once in a while, you have to do a precursor like that. I, I hate it because it takes away from the entertainment value of it. But once in a while, somebody actually takes this stuff seriously. And uh, Grandy <laughs> said this thing about whatever. I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. Actually, um, that's how yeah, we promote uh, the show. You know, it's funny because Mike never, <laughs> Mike never misses games. He never misses games. And obviously that was one of the reasons I came here 15 years ago. Um, was because at that time, Mike was still doing some national stuff or whatever. So there was going to be a few games a year at least to do. And then, you know, as, as Max and I segue, and obviously it's gone a different direction, but um, it was fun. You know, I hope people enjoyed it. It's the first time obviously Scal and I worked together. The game I did last year was with Tommy, which is entirely different. You know, it's just a different, uh, yeah. different thing altogether. <laughs> it's, yeah. No, I, I, well, I there's so I many great, you. I mean, you got to understand there's the Celtics telecasts are elite in the NBA. And yeah, obviously Mike and Tommy are Mike and Tommy, but you have unbelievable production. You know, the Knicks probably have the best telecast in the NBA. Golden State's very good. There's a couple of elite ones, Brooklyn. But, you know, the Celtics telecast is elite because there's some very, very talented people that work on it. It's a much easier show in a lot of ways to do than the radio. Yeah. I, well, it, from from this perspective, I thought – I throw and – I, and I think – Speaking for Twitter, I mean you're on there, and but I thought everyone was was very effusive in their praise of of you and Scal together. I thought you guys were a great tandem. So I think people would not that people want to see Mike, you know, take time off or whatever. But I think, um, you know, it was it was a really good show. And if there's more of those to come, that'd be a good thing for for a lot of Celtics fans' minds. So it was very political. The way I mean, I understand that you know Mike and I have had to sort of traverse this very awkward situation for many many years, and I think we've done it fairly well, because you never really, you know, read anything about whatever. Obviously, this is, you know, I've talked about it a little bit, and I've talked about it with you guys. This was not, life is, you know, what they say, life is when you're, what happens when you're making other plans, and obviously this was not, when I came here from Minnesota, this was not the plan. The plan was, you know, from accident to radio for a couple of years, and then eventually slide over, but things, you got to sort of adjust on the fly when things change, and I think a situation that could have been, we're talking about the Celtics locker room earlier, and, you know, this could have been an awkward situation for these for all these years, and it hasn't because we're all yeah you know, all on the same team, all trying to do good shows, and that's that. Well, it the speaking of good shows, I mean, we, we may not have you on here for another couple of weeks. The numbers dictate this team's a top top three, top two team. Um, where do you think that in the next forty some odd games that this team is going to play? I mean. Do you see this team? How far do you think these guys can go? Do you think they can they can push well, to the third round, or, you know, or do you think you know what's funny about that is when you're yeah. winning? Here's something I've said. I've probably said it on this show before. I'll always say it because it's true in basketball, it's true in sports, and it certainly is true in life. When you are winning, it seems like you will never lose again, 
And when you are losing, it seems like you will never win again. And everything evens out in the NBA. Right now, we're at a real high point for the Celtics because of the way they are playing, because the teams they are leading. You've been Cavaliers and the Clippers in the last week. You have seven or eight days to feel really good about yourself. And the only, the Achilles heel, the downfall of this team over the last, this last year when they've played so well and won so many games is as soon as they start feeling good about themselves, as soon as they start thinking they're that good, they're not that good. That's basically what's happened. And it requires an ex- to play at a very high level effort-wise, you know, harder than most teams are playing in the NBA for them to win all these games and have all this success. And you look down at the numbers that I'm tweeting out and you see the top six teams in the NBA in the last year and you see – Golden State, San Antonio, Cleveland, the Clippers, Oklahoma City, and Boston. And then you look at the you know, talent disparity. That's, that's hard work. That's coaching. That's defense. That's a lot of stuff that has to be there every night. You know, that said, it looks, you know, I read the same numbers you do. It looks like it's going to be difficult for the Celtics to not have home. I saw a number, you know, the BPI number or whatever it is, which I just, I like to tease Brad about that all the time because I'll see him because you know how coaches are. I'm like, Brad, BPI is 99% making the playoffs, and he just, you know, he gets all upset and shakes his head. Oh, that, you know, because that's the last thing you want to hear if you're a coach. But, I mean, because I can. That's, that's what I do, and you got to have some fun in this life. If not, but you, can't, you can't poke a coach in a stick like that. This job just isn't that fun. Yeah, don't poke the bear. Don't poke the bear. I think that, I think that number is um, – Right now, the Celtics are about 86% of getting home court in the first round, which is pretty, you know, that's, wow, that's, that's great beautiful. if you think about it. So, um, yeah, they have to figure I, out know, how Right now, it looks like, uh, you know, it looks good. The schedule isn't really tough. You've had a lot of the really tough part of the schedule has already passed, um, including the road stuff, because they kind of, if you noticed, if you're someone to follow the schedule, first of all, it's been wacky this year. I mean, it's been done completely differently. Travel is different. You've had these crazy trips or all of a sudden in the middle of an Eastern trip, you go to a Western city in the middle of it. But basically, the Celtics have flip-flopped January and March. Like last year's in March has been a brutal month for back and forth travel and being all over the place and whatever. Um, uh, so, it's, um, you know, the schedule's been crazy and you've had your, your March already. So now the schedule with Celtics, when we get back from Minnesota next week, Celtics are home 20 out of 21 days, which is crazy. So, which actually, based to, on the way now, now they're starting to win home. Is that a good thing? Good. Yeah, I was just going to say, is it a good thing? Well, it is. It seems to be now, um, but it's it's certainly trending like the Celtics will be a home court team, and if they can stay in that top four, all of a sudden you're looking at uh, you know, if you have, uh, a first round series if you can win it with home court. You get Toronto in the second round. Toronto's done nothing in the playoffs. You know, could the Celtics? Will the Celtics beat Toronto in a seven-game series if it happens? I don't know, but could they? I mean, that's not going to strike fear into the heart of Celtics Nation. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, yeah. And all right. Certain, so all of a sudden, you're looking at, wait a minute. This is this is not out of the realm of possibility. And then as long as you have a few days off, you go completely insane. You start saying, well, okay, Eastern Conference Finals against Cleveland. Didn't you just go to Cleveland and win? Yeah. So... The mind, the mind can play extraordinary tricks, but <laughs> what? I'm not here to wet blanket. I'm here to say, so a lot of times, you know, there'll be a month from now, the Celtics lose three games in a row, and they'll get beat by a bad team, and all of a sudden, you guys will be in despair, and everybody will be, oh my gosh, this whole season's going so well, because that's what happened. So enjoy this, what's going on now, and we can have a legitimate conversation about the Celtics matchup with Cleveland in the Eastern Conference Finals. So, and then think Beautiful. about the fact 
that this is February of 2016. In February of 2015, that month began with a loss to Miami that dropped you to 16-30. and 30. And playoffs last year was off the radar. And one year later, listen to the conversation around well, we're going to enjoy it the way Isaiah Thomas is enjoying the All-Star game. Exactly. And, and the way that John and I enjoyed having you back on the show, Sean. Uh, even with the special guest you brought along with you, the Southwest Gate attendant, <laughs> this has been 100% an awesome interview. Well, now see how it got quiet again because now I'm getting on the plane here. <laughs> so we're going to go to we'll finish up here in seat 9A. First trip, I scratched, uh, so I scratched Nebraska off my play-by-play scavenger hunt. And in two weeks, I, two weeks I can get uh, Kansas. Kansas goes off the list in two weeks. After, after, by the way, first not to mention the fact that my little busman's holiday on Friday, I got a little Kimbo Slice fight. And, uh, yeah. Ken Shamrock and Hoist Gracie. And Crazy time. Chris Gracie. I just, ah, oh, he was amazing. You know what? We're going to have to. Excuse we, me. We are... He was amazing. He's fighting in the main event off right. I know. I know. But how old is He's got to be 60 now, right? He's only 49. No way. No way. He retired that early. turned 52. Royce Gracie's anyway, only this 49. Is the, uh, this, that's the main event on Friday. MMA Live, final... everybody. Call in. Yeah, but, that's right. Exactly. Still. The final fight of the trilogy. Mm. I mean, how would you, how would your guy Mike Gorman do calling MMA? How would that go? We, you know what? We'll have to put him to the MMA test on his next appearance next time. Next. <laughs> I, listen, I know I'm doing something wrong because I'm flying. Here's here's how I know I'm doing. Here's how I know I'm doing something wrong. I fly halfway across the country. I'm doing a hockey game last night. Mike texts me from some beach in California. He's like, hey, they had at the bar at the beach, they had this hockey game on, and you were there. I'm like, wait a minute. What am I doing wrong? Like, you're at the All-Star break. You're actually taking a break at the All-Star break. And I'm in Omaha, Nebraska, calling a hockey you're, game. Like, you're a grinder. You're a grinder, Sean. You got That's that right. right. You're a grinder. And you're in 9A. It's not even, it's not even first class. You're going How about that? Well, like it's one of these little planes. Yeah, it's like, you know, I may not make it to 50 years old, but my son's going to go to a good school, I'll tell you that. <laughs> that, is, that is putting in work. <laughs> oh, man. Sean, thanks a lot for coming on, man. It is, uh, you've, hey, been, you've been missed, and uh, we will definitely have you on again soon. All right, guys. We will, uh, we will talk soon. It should be an interesting, interesting finish. Sean Grandy, everybody, back on Celtic Stuff Live. Uh, rolling out on our third show since our return in the new year. John, you know, I I just, I love Sean. And I love the fact that he's not afraid to to have a little fun with Gorman. And I know, I know Gorman thinks it's all in good fun too. But it almost seemed like they were fairly unified when we asked them both the question, uh, you know, obviously Gorman a couple weeks ago, about whether or not it made any sense to upset the apple cart with the chemistry on this roster. And since we're heading into this trade deadline, and you and I are going to be on the line with Larry H. Russell on the Blog Talk radio feed this Thursday from 2.30 to 4 o'clock as it all unfolds, I think it's uh, you know it's kind of interesting that both of them pretty much see it the same way. Yeah, they do. I mean, it basically, you know, hands off. Don't upset, don't upset the apple cart. We got a good thing going. Don't blow it. Um, I think all that's true. Um, I think though, as, as I've said in the past, or, or, or I think I brought up in the past, I mean, this is, this is 
a guy in Danny Ainge who took a five-game winning streak by a pretty middling team in 2003 and turned it and, and decided to acquire Ricky Davis, and then days later saw that his coach decided to stop away to to walk away from the team in Jim O'Brien. So, <laughs> you know, Danny's not afraid to make the hard choice. Um, now. I think there's another question to be had, which is, I think, the second part of it, which is, if you do make a move, you have to do something that's going to set you up for the long run. You know, you've got a team right now that is predominantly players 27 and younger. And I think, you know, just as what what he is, what, what Sean was saying is, you know, make the moves for guys that live in that range, who are going to be with you for a while, who can grow with your team, just as Evan Turner did, you know, and, and players like that. And to your credit, Gordon Hayward is one of those guys. Um, who he called a killer. A killer, I know. A killer. That, that was a shocker to me. That's that's. I think that is a shocker. And I know that I think that the, that he is going to be a great player, but I just, I agree. I mean, we saw I think in the last week he wound up hitting a game winner. I think he's a closer. You know, that's my biggest thing, and he does have all the tools. And I don't need to go into all the reasons I like Hayward. We've brought it up so many times on this, and it really doesn't even look like he's available. But I think Sean's point is, as long as the guy's young, it sounded like he was kind of down on the Howard Horford, with the exception of the fact that Howard's been skills have been declining. He's a coach killer. That's the guy that drove Kevin McHale out, in my opinion, anyway. But Sean almost says, hey, I think Brad is a magician. And I think that no matter who they stick on this roster, it would be really interesting to see what Brad could do with it. And to the point of, if they did want to try to acquire Howard in the short term, maybe he doesn't exercise his option. I think there's value in a sign-and-trade because Brad might be able to make Howard look the best he possibly could at a time when Howard needs to look that look the best he possibly can. And maybe in the offseason, a sign-and-trade would be a real sell-high, sell buy-low, sell-high kind of scenario. I don't know. But it was interesting that even though Sean said, yeah, I really don't want anybody in their 30s, you know, because they're getting older and, you know, the, the vision's going, they're balding, you know, all those things. And But at the same time, he's saying, I would love to see Brad experiment with Howard. Right. I, I think I think we I think like he said, anybody could play here. Anybody could fit into this scenario here. Because Brad is a magician. The guy's a wizard. He's a Jedi, okay? Guy can do stuff. These are not the droids you're looking for. And we're not looking for droids anymore, you know? And and he's able to do that with these guys. Uh, you know, you look at those guys. What's interesting is, okay, Howard Horford, I understand. Kevin Love's twenty seven years old. If we're going to jump in, well, I'm going to jump in whole hog in these rooms. Jump in, and I'm going to tell you why Splash. I don't want him. I can just tell. This is going to be the meat and potatoes, so, right? Because they said that this thing wasn't real. Everybody shot it down super quick, the whole trifecta of Carmelo and Kevin Love and then the picks, and right. you know maybe New York wants Kelly Olynyk, who I think we do not want to get rid of now. And I never would have said that a year ago, but let's dive in because I'm going to tell you, I'm not sure I want Kevin Love anymore. If I had to, if I had to pick one of Sullinger or Kelly Olenek to trade, I'd rather trade Sullinger. Sully. Right? Yep. Um, and, uh, right. To me, the question of Kevin Love is, is the cost. What do you have to give up to get a guy like Kevin Love? I agree that his his value has dropped significantly uh, from where we were two years ago, when we defense. were, we were well defense, 
uh, you know, he, he couldn't fit into that system. Uh, he's looks, you know, he's injured. He's been injured nearly consistently ever since he's gotten there. Um, that's, that's a real concern. However, we get a Jedi in, in Brad Stevens and two, I think that what Kevin Love does fits really well into what he, what Danny wants to do or what he's trying to build here in terms of talent and, and, and fitting in as a piece into that, but also what Brad's trying to do with his team in terms of shooting and spraying the floor. Defensively, remains a problem. But let's look at, at Jared Sullinger. Jared Sullinger is no great shakes right now as a defender. Could Kevin Love defend at Sullinger's level? I think he could. I really do. I don't think that that would be a, a difficult leap for a guy who's playing on Team USA and and is getting good coaching. I think it's a question of what he's being asked to do. You look at the guy, right? You look at the system exactly. You look at the system Kevin Love played in 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 Minnesota and the different guys who were his coach. Kurt Rambis, awful coach. Uh, Adelman, who was a good coach, a good offensive coach, but really lacks on the defensive end from we saw his years in Sacramento. Um, you know, you look at the guys that he had for a predominant, you know, time in his career, he really hasn't had great coaching. Blatt is trying to fit a lot of different pieces together, and obviously he's on, he hit the road in eight, less than 18 months. So I really think if Kevin Love gets here, he can play here. He can be the guy that they need. But is he a number one talent? Is he going to be the guy, the star? No. He's got to be the number two. No, he can't be. That's the whole right. point about not upsetting the apple cart. And how do these guys, to Sean's point, how do these guys continue to play with a chip on their shoulder? Every time they think they've established themselves, they slack back. We have to watch out for that. Yeah. When you talk about the system, I'm going to go right to Kelly Olenek because this is a guy we thought would never even be able to get even fill-in minutes as a starter because his defense was so bad. But he's also a very smart player, and he has been – serviceable on defense. Not great, and he's never going to be great because one-on-one, he's going to lose that matchup just because of raw athleticism. But in a system, when he is doing what he's supposed to do and he's focused, he's an adequate defender at his position. And then what he does for the offense is fantastic. And I read an article the other day about, you know, again, it was one of these theoretical trades, and this one said, hey, forget Howard. Let's look at Harden. If they're going to wind up blowing it up, why not Harden? But one of the things that they said was, hey, look, last year when Harden was an MVP candidate, he played, you know, good defense. Now this year he's fallen off. There's a huge knock on that. And then they went right to, I wish I could remember who wrote the article because it was a fantastic point. What they said was, you know, if you want to if you want to knock somebody's defense that's coming to the Celtics, let's just take a case in point. An undersized point guard who is now an all-star who had a horrific defensive rating and you never thought Isaiah Thomas was I didn't think he was going to be able to be a starter because of the size not because I didn't think he could produce on offense but because I thought he would be such a liability on defense now in Brad Stevens system he is a serviceable defender even though he's undersized and his defensive rating has gone way down I think he's right around 101 and change Uh, and I think he was 104 105 when he was with Sacramento. So the article made a great point, which I will say sort of backs. I still don't want Kevin Love. I mean, I know, I know what you're saying, you know, for the right price. And if we're not giving up the Nets pick, maybe we give up, you know, the two Celtics picks in the next two years that are going to be down the line, you know, in the late teens, early twenties, maybe even mid twenties. I, I agree. I, I can, I understand that, but then there's a whole minutes thing. You're going to have to get rid of a guy like Sullinger to make space for somebody like Kevin Love. So, 
The one thing I've said is if you do give up Sullinger, we got to get rebounding back because I do think it's important that this team stay in the top 10 in the league in rebounding. It makes a big difference. Kevin Love would do that. Absolutely. And maybe Brad Stevens putting him, putting Kevin in his system winds up making him a serviceable defender. So I will make the counterpoint, you know, and, and support your argument on that, uh, at least from that standpoint. Yeah, I think I, I think you don't lose anything with rebounding with Kevin Love on the floor. I think you I think you I think in terms of a comparison, comparable, you know, Kevin Love and Sullinger are very are very good comps, except one can can shoot three pointers at a, at a, and and can score it at a much better rate. I think you I think they're very comparable in terms of rebounding, in terms of passing. Um, I think defense. Sullinger has had the benefit of playing for Brad Stevens for two and a half years. Kevin Love has been playing for some less than than great talent and and so you know here you are i mean i i think that that you know and, and right now just to speak of defensive rating i mean love is 100 right now so it, he's not um horrendous um and he's much better than he has been um but i think he could even go even even further in that step playing on this team playing with guys like crowder and and uh you know bradley and, and these types of players so in, on the Kevin Love side of things, I think it, it all depends upon cost, and I think that you need to give yourself enough room so you can add that number number one talent that you want to bring in. Um, but Love is definitely he's definitely on the block. He's definitely somebody Cleveland's looking to move. And to me, the the mellow deal makes sense. You know, look at the Knicks are are in a tailspin, right? They fire their coach. They're not going anywhere, and they've and they've got Porzingis. Porzingis is their future. Why even bother to, to, to fool around and have these two guys going in complete opposite directions? Sell on Mellow. Yeah, the discussion makes so much sense. And, and but do don't it. you think some of this is posturing too? I mean, what when you, you look at all – well, because here's what I mean. All the big men that have been tied to the Celtics already, mm-hmm. I mean, you've got Howard. You've got Horford. You know, now you've got Kevin Love. You know, with all of these rumors, and I know the Celtics are the easy target for the trades. Exactly. But, but, all, but so is big men. You know, there are guards that they could be blowing up in that conversation or coming. You know, why not Carmelo to Boston, right? But th- that that is not the conversation. The conversation is that the big men are coming to Boston. And I wonder if this isn't just a, uh, uh artful and mastering move on Danny Ainge's part to kind of, you know, if he has three different teams that want to trade their bigs away and he's got the assets, if he can pit them all against each other, can't he just select the best deal for the team that costs them the least amount of assets. I mean, I, I I think that rumor, even though everybody's shooting it down, I think it definitely is the least likely to happen, but I think it's the most likely to have an impact on if a deal gets done, how much Danny is going to actually have to pay to bring in a big man. Hmm. That's a good point. I think that's a really good point. Because smoke and fire, right. hey, it's not always smoking from the same fire. You know right. what I mean? right. Well, and it, you know, like you said, they're they're always they're the, they're the the natural target. They're the natural one. And and look, and, and let's be honest, Danny is calling about every single player in this league, right? I mean, there he is in conversations about all these players. I bet he's talked about Horford. I bet he's talked. I bet he's talked with Atlanta. I bet he's talked to to uh, uh, the Rockets about Howard. I bet he's talked to the Bulls about Gasol and Noah. 
I bet he's also talked to the Jazz about Gobert and Favors. It doesn't not matter that the player's situation. Danny Ainge is going to try to get that guy. He doesn't care. He's merciless. He does. He will. He will get whoever it takes, and he will work till the end of the earth to get his guy. It's a question of, like you said, cost. And if we can determine. What is the type of cost it's going to take to get a guy they really need? Danny will overpay to get a guy who fits in that range. I think that that um, you know that that we were talking about a moment ago with Sean. If we get somebody who's in that 25, 26, 27 year old range, whether it's a Hayward, whether it's a Love, whether it's you know Derek, Harden, you know Derek Favors, it could it could be Harden. Here's what could I be here's the Here's the thing that drives me a little nuts about these big man rumors, too, especially with the rebounding stats and the defense of the team being what it is. And I know a lot of that's perimeter defense because you have guys like Bradley and Smart. But I also, this team needs a score. Let's not lose focus of that. And yet most of the rumors have been around big men. And I'm a little concerned that maybe Dwight Howard wasn't the coach killer and maybe Harden is the is the coach killer. But Harden is still young. And if that team really is going to blow it up for assets, now there's a guy you definitely give maybe all three Brooklyn picks for just to bring in it. And you might even throw in, you know, uh, a Bradley to get, it, uh, get a Harden in here. Right. I mean, that is the guy who is going to give you the clutch baskets. That's the difference maker, in my opinion. I mean, if you have Marcus Smart, you have Harden, let's say we do, let's say it's all three picks in Bradley, and maybe a lot of people will tell me that's too much for Harden, but again, it's a young player, and, and maybe Harden's not going anywhere. He's still young enough that the Rockets could blow it up and rebuild around him. I'm not, but I'm just saying, of all of the stars that aren't big men who can give this team what it really needs, which is another go-to scorer alongside Isaiah Thomas, Harden's a perfect match. And I would, and I would really hate it. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but it, but I would really hate it if they traded away Isaiah Thomas in any move at this point. I think he is the chip on the shoulder for this squad until they get a championship. Well, I, I yeah, I mean. You know, it, it, the the rumored, I mean, it wasn't even a rumor so much as what it might take to get Theoretical Harden, proposal. Right, was that there would be Thomas, uh, I think the 16 Nets pick, and um, was it Love, maybe? Or no, uh, excuse me, Lee. I think I think that might have been, you know. Yeah, Lee's in every one of those deals. I, <laughs> yeah, right. But, and, and he wants to be gone. So that's, you know, that's not a problem. I, you know. I, I think you're. I think you're right. I think Harden it was the coach killer. Um, you know, you ask Kevin McHale after that. You know, after he was done, he had nothing left to. There's no reason not to believe him. And the guy he said, you know, he said that Howard tried every day, was doing his best to get out there. This is a guy who played on a broken ankle. Um, he knows what it takes to get things done. And so if he said. Look, Howard was doing what he could. I have complete faith in him. I'm with you, though, about Harden. I think that's a guy to keep your eyes on in terms of that team blowing up. But you got to remember, too, when you're talking about the Rockets, think about how long it took for for Maury to get his team in a position to where he could get a Harden or, and to get a Howard. Is he going to want to give it's that not gonna so be easily? Easy. No, no, you know no way. I mean? He's probably not going to give it up at all. And but to the point about Harden and the and the coach killer and that's you know that's who I thought it was. Yeah. 
and I'm that's why I can't even believe I'm saying that you know that, that first off that I wouldn't trade Isaiah Thomas for a Harden, but at the same time that I'm as open to Harden. But let's also keep in mind Brad Stevens and Kevin McHale's coaching style and coaching record are very very different. Yes, absolutely, absolutely, and and the and the place that Brad Stevens. The, the way that the, this organization runs as opposed to the way the Rockets organization runs is night and day. There is no way they're going to let James Harden run this organization if they were to acquire him. No way. Just not happening. So I, I'm, I think that... Which is a gamble, but that's a player that even if you took the gamble, you could still sell high later or maybe even just do a star swap down the line. Like yep. he's a talent and an asset right. that... You're, you know, it's like Boogie Cousins. Even if even if he comes in and doesn't mesh with the culture, it's not like you couldn't get a lot for him. Right. As a matter of fact, you might even do a swap for Boogie and Harden back and forth, right? Who knows? Right. Uh, you know, just, hey, change of scenery without dropping off. Both players still young. I just think, I think that that's a gamble. If you can pry somebody like Harden away, it's a gamble you got to take every day of the week and twice on Sundays. I, I agree with you. And, and, and just real one real quick point, though. I do think that, that the biggest area of need on this team is in the front court. It remains the big, the two big positions. I, I love what Selinger's done. I love what Olenek has done lately. We've seen some good stuff from Amir Johnson at times. Zeller has stepped up. But but in terms of you look at, at, at you know the league average of players, I think our weakest spots are our four and five positions right now. Absolutely. And I, and I, so I agree with, with trying to go there. What's difficult is where's the league going? Because what you spend, my caution about Horford or Howard or anything, if you're going to max out Dwight Howard, you better be damn sure you're going to want somebody who plays like Dwight Howard for five years. If you if you pay peanuts for him now, because you're not gonna you're not gonna give him give up the the a lot for a rental and then sign him for a big contract if you're not assured that you're gonna be able to play with a guy like him with his limited offensive abilities in the next five years as the rest of the league goes to you know five guys around the perimeter shooting threes. That's why I think Olenek is so valuable Agreed. and why I'm so reluctant to give him up. But you're right, the front court. Definitely needs work. Those are some great points. What a great show. Sean Grandy and the gate attendant from Southwest <laughs> joining us as our special guest uh, on the show today. And I will tell you, I just have to remind everybody to go to the uh, CLNS Radio Blog Talk channel. We're going to be live on Thursday, 2.30 to 4 p.m. to cover, break down, and take your calls at the trade deadline. A lot of hype this time of year. And also, we're giving away tickets on Celtic Stuff Live thanks to Larry H. Russell and our uh, commitment to return to this show on a weekly basis, which will continue after the trade, dead, but, uh, trade deadline, by the way. We're giving those tickets away via Twitter. John and I prefer Twitter. That's where we spend most of our time on social media. I'm CSL underscore Justin. Duke is CSL underscore Duke. And if you want a chance to win March 21st tickets this season against the Orlando Magic, you simply need to send a comment to the show via Twitter or retweet our show post and then hashtag CSL returns. And then in the middle of March, probably with about a week and a half, 10 days to go before the game, we're going to pick a winner and we'll announce it on the show. And we'll also reach out to you by Twitter to let you know that you've won. So again, between now and then, 
make sure that you either retweet our post or send us a comment on the show and hashtag CSL returns. John, what a great show. And I knew we would get ribbed by Grandy, but I'm glad that everything is uh, status quo and nothing's changed in the last four years. You know, it's uh, the song remains the same, as Led Zeppelin once said. And, and, you know, Sean, he just can't help himself. But, you know, it's great. It was great to have him back. It's good to take a little ribbing from him. Uh, you know, he'll always be number two in my book. <laughs> on that note, we will we will close the show. That's awesome. We have fodder for his next appearance. It's probably only going to get more heated. I absolutely love the man, and I'm glad that I'm glad he knows how to have a good time on the show. Uh, everybody, we're going to see you next week. Thanks a lot for listening to the show, and don't forget to send us questions and comments on Twitter: CSL underscore Justin, CSL underscore Duke, and uh, make sure you hashtag CSL returns. All right, everybody. See you next week. Celtic stuff live.